0: Now, though, it is time to uh, look back at New Zealand sporting history, and it's actually a complete coincidence that we're talking about the Southern Sting. On the day, of course, that we find out that the legendary woman who coached the side to such massive success has passed away, Robin Broughton, one of New Zealand's most successful netball coaches, of course, under her, the Southern Sting, made all ten grand finals of the National Bank Cup, winning seven of ten, They captivated uh, the entire city, became local heroes too for Invercargill and it really became the norm for people to camp out overnight or for several nights to get tickets to a Southern Sting game. Well with us today Donna Wilkins then known as Donna Lofhagen a key player for the Sting and she's with us now. Kia ora Donna. Hi good afternoon. Thanks so much for being with us today and um, you know, what a day for us to be having you on. I'm so sorry to hear about the news of of Robin. Um, what can you tell me about her? How will you remember her?
1: Oh, look, I'll remember Rob as an amazing person, and not only someone that had immense knowledge about, um, around the game of netball, the game that she loved. Um, she had such great passion for the sport Um You know, not only coaching the elite, she coached school kids. She was just so passionate about the game. But I will miss her as a person. Um, She touched a lot of people, um, and we'll probably talk more in depth over the next little while about how she managed to get people to come down to Southland, come down to Invercargill, play for a province, and they didn't just come down for one year, they stayed, and that just shows the mark of a truly remarkable person and that's what Robin was. And it's been pretty hard, Hmm. yeah. but we need to remember how amazing she she was and she, yeah.
0: It must be a really hard day for you, Donna, and I really appreciate you coming on to talk to us about it. But it's, you know, it's wonderful to hear someone paying tribute to her. and I guess, I don't know, how would she be thinking of this? Would she be thinking, oh, you just need to get
1: on and, you know? No, she'll be thinking she stitched me up. like It's <laughs> like she knew I had to do this today and she's like, right, you're going to talk about this thing, you can start with me. <laughs> so, um, isn't it ironic, you know, like when did we decide to do this? Four or five weeks ago and then, mm. you know, Robbie passes away the day before, but um. But it just, to me, it it just makes you think, let's not forget. Um, It's really cool that we're going to sit here and talk about how awesome the Sting was because they were. You know, there was 10 years, 10 finals, 7 championships. You know, there's not many sporting teams throughout our country in any code that can have that sort of track record. So, um, and Robbie being the remarkable coach at the helm, um, you know, bringing all these people together, whether they were local netballers or people like me just coming down for three months and still living down here. Um, you know, it's pretty remarkable. So I'm just thrilled that we're actually honouring the legacy.
0: Mm. Um, a couple of things I suppose to ask you about specifically to do with Robin before we talk more more widely and more generally, I suppose, about the sting. Um, of course, the untimely death of Tanya Dalton, um, how was Robin, I suppose, really a kind of a linchpin for some of the Sting players um, when that happened a few years back?
1: Yeah, look, that was another situation that was really difficult um, and is still um, many of us find very difficult now. Um, Tanya was a huge part of all of our lives, and especially Robbie's, like Tanya used to live at the Broughton's with Warren. Um And Robbie and you know made that her home um so they really brought tarns in or teabag into their home and you know and gave her that opportunity to come south and have that experience she loved it so she stayed um and you know like we all still struggle today with missing tarns and um yeah it was a difficult time but five years ago we decided to have a reunion game to um, pay tribute to Tanya. So I'm really pleased now looking back that we managed to do that.
0: Yeah, you organised that, I think, didn't you?
1: Yeah, I thought it would be an easy job. Don't do it. It's really difficult. <laughs> There's a lot of work and I'm sitting here now in my friend's lounge with a whole lot of pieces of paper from that um, experience because I had to go through all the the names of everyone that played. And actually there weren't many over the 10 years. And, um, yeah, it was a, a big job to undertake but something that again Southland embraced and so pleased that Robbie had that chance to go out on a high and finish her her coaching really down Mm. here in Southland.
0: Yeah it's interesting hearing you talk about how um, she was so instrumental in getting people to go down south Um, and you were I suppose one of those people because you're originally from Canterbury so how come you ended up playing for the Southern Sting?
1: Um, well, it all came about really before this thing. Um, there was a club competition that used to go on and um, I was playing in Christchurch and used to play um, for Canterbury with Bernice Um And somehow, I'm not sure how they managed to convince Bernie to come south, but she did. And I got a phone call from her one day saying, hey, Donna, why don't you come down and play for three months? And I was like, oh, okay, I'll come down and play for Southland. Um and joined forces with Benice in that 1997 Southland team, and then the following year was the first year of the Southern Sting. So the rest is history. Stayed for that year, enjoyed it, and then married a farmer, and I'm still here. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Take us back to what it was like back then, because, um, what, 98 the semi-professional league began, the Coca-Cola Cup. Um, what kind of impact did that have for netball?
1: Look, it was interesting, isn't it? It's funny how you call it semi professional. I think in those days we got fifty dollars a game and fifty dollars a win bonus. Um obviously some of the girls are on um little contracts, but it definitely wasn't enough to, you know, keep things going. But it was interesting times. You had to have a wooden floor, a wooden surface to be able to apply for a franchise to have a team. Um, we didn't really have anywhere we could play down here, so The first things first was the licensing trust getting a floor made, which of course was in the Sting Colours, which is quite funny looking back now. Um, And it got put down in the old Army Drill Hall, which was called and known as Centennial Hall. Um, So that's where we played the first year in 1998 and people used to queue to get tickets and then they'd line up again hours, and I mean hours before, to try and get in to get a decent seat because they weren't numbered. It was first in first serve so they were there early and that's when um, Liz Piper started thinking well we need something to entertain these crowds because they're here hours before a game so then it became this big event like you had local talent there you had singing you had dancing you had everything there and it became more than just netball and I think that's what captured the whole community, really.
0: Mm. I'd be interested to hear views of anyone listening today, what memories you have of the, Sto- the Southern Sting. Perhaps you were at a game or one of the parades that I'm sure we'll talk about um, <laughs> shortly, or indeed one of those people who queued up to get those tickets. Um, text us on 2101. I would love to hear your stories on that. Um, now, you lost out in that first season to the Otago Rebels. Um but then the next year, it was the same match-up in the grand final, but this time you won.
1: Yeah, it was a big turnaround. Look, to be fair, in 1998, we were the underdogs. No one expected us to do any good. Um, we were from the bottom of the South Island, and to get all the way through to the final was massive. Um in saying that we had our chances in that game as well but to come back out that next year and um, actually win the championship was massive um, for so many different reasons but um, yeah it was just so cool to be able to turn that around and um, and the whole province getting behind us it, but actually everyone did from the get-go it wasn't just about winning it was they just had something to support and they loved it.
0: And so tell me about that street parade that that came after that first trophy in
1: 99? It's a bit surreal, isn't it? We actually had a few um, ticker tape parades. And I, I remember after having a couple of them that then they had to send out information on how to throw that that tape because people would just hurl it. And it's actually quite painful if you get collected with it. Um, so we spent most of the time trying to dodge that. But the amount of people um, I remember being um, – you know, when we come to the end of the parade and just the people, there were people lining streets everywhere. I didn't actually realise there were that many people in Southland. It was phenomenal. (laughs) And um, it was kind of a bit surreal to think this is all because of a netball game, but um, it was bigger than that. And I think everyone felt that it was bigger than that. And I think at the time too, Invercargill did need a lift and, you know, it wasn't just people that used to play netball or females it was everybody mm. um you know there were rugby players coming to the games there, were, there was just huge mix of people that were supporting our sport which was amazing
0: yeah i think a lot of people got time off like businesses closed early so the people could <laughs> go to the parade um why do you think the city became so obsessed with
1: the sting um i don't know i don't know whether it was because we did so much in the in the province, um, like a, a number of us went throughout schools, um, clubs, you name it, um, we did um, sponsorship engagements, um, everything, we were accessible, people saw us, um, whether that was part of it, um, maybe success, I don't know, we were successful, yes we came second the first year but then we started winning, um, you know, sometimes that does grab some people along for the ride but I just think it gave positivity to a province that needed it um and to be fair southenders are pretty good at supporting um you know probably win or lose but um they it just gave them something and maybe a little bit of hope but i think because we're accessible i think they felt connected probably more connected than um other things
0: and those wins, like you say, they did keep coming. What was it, 2000, <laughs> 2001, 2002, 2003, 2004? Um, why was the team so strong? What was the magic?
1: Um, the culture. Um, we had some great players. We had um, some awesome local talent, like Robbie was amazing with her coaching that she did at Verdon College throughout the year. She always coached her school kids and she always liked to see them come through the ranks as well. And she had, she bred some good players through there, um, through Verdon College. So a lot of them trickled through into that Sting franchise, into the environment. Um, but, yeah, look, we go out on court and we do the work, but, you know, it takes a pretty special person to mould that team and that culture. Um And it was consistent, like Robbie was there for 10 years for that whole 10 year of that Sting campaign and look, she'll hate me saying it, but, you know, she was the main reason. She was the reason that got us all together, got us to play together, be as a team, you know, and there were never ever really any issues. We just went out there and did the job and we did it because we respected our coach and we respected our teammates.
0: How did she approach coaching? Because... I don't think she'd been a top player, so I guess she must have come at it from a different sort of angle did she?
1: What was the kind of secret to her success? Oh look she we actually found some photos of Robbie when she was a player um she wasn't too impressed with those photos, but like we did a bit of groundwork and she was a pretty capable player herself um but just her understanding and knowledge she's um Robbie was a very intelligent person, um always you know, challenging herself, whether it was through a crossword or whether it was through um, a book that she's read about some other sports coach um, and what they were doing and how they did their trainings or their mindset. She was always wanting to learn. Um, And she also allowed some of those, you know, like, well, every player, not just the experienced players, um, if they had something to share she listened and I think that was a big part of what made her such a people person
0: mm. um those continuous wins it's a real stream of winds, sort of makes it look like it was easy but it I bet it wasn't
1: yeah, look, I think we had six in a row um, and it just kept going. And, of course, the buzz kept happening with it. And, uh, but don't worry, that following year we got um, knocked off the perch pretty sharply by the magic. Um, it was a pretty big loss, um, our first loss, and that was pretty hard to take.
0: Yeah, I bet it was. How did you deal with that and how did, how did Robin deal with that? How did you kind of regroup?
1: Well, you just have to. It's sport, isn't it? At the time, it doesn't feel like that. It's easy to look back now and go, you know, like we're still in the final. Like it's pretty amazing, you know, to be there for 10 years running. But, you know, there had to come a time that, you know, everyone was just willing, it didn't matter who it was going to be, just to knock us off. So, um, you know, you had to give credit to Magic. They played amazing. Um, And and also the the following year they did as well. So um, at the time, it probably didn't feel that great. But now looking back, it's like, you know, we still got there. We still found a way to get there. Um, and we still regrouped the next year to, to give another shot. We weren't quite good enough, but um, we tidied that up in 07. Mm. Um,
0: 2003, I think, was the five successive years of winning. Um, there was another parade there. 100,000 balloons, <laughs> as I understand, and 20,000 ticker tapes.
1: Yeah, isn't that a wee bit insane for such a small province? Um yeah, look, five in a row was pretty special and there was a few players that, um, you know, after doing that five in a row, like there's a few players that move on and, and that in sports. So it was pretty special and I think I've actually got one of my dresses at home that I've kept signed, um, from that signed from that year. So it's pretty cool and it's quite nice to look back on those things. Yeah, did you feel a bit like a celebrity
0: back in those days? <laughs>
1: well you couldn't go anywhere you you had your car that had your sign writing on it and of course everyone does nowadays and you know oh donna was speeding you know (laughs) everyone seems to know where you are um but that's part of it isn't it You you learn to deal with that and um you know like it's your job really in the end um you're there to do a job and um perform and to the best of your ability and and you've got to take that with it um you know, you're part of a province and you're representing this area, so that's just part and parcel of it.
0: Mm. Like you say, it is your job and, you know, you pour your heart and soul into it. But did you have to pick up other work um, around the netball because of the money?
1: So obviously initially there wasn't a lot of money around, but towards the end of that um, there were some pretty big sponsors and everything involved in netball, so I was one of the fortunate ones. Um you know, there's always people bantering around how much we got paid, which was completely off the mark. But you just take that sort of stuff with a grain of salt. But a lot of us studied um, as well, because, you know, there's only so much sport that you can do. There's only a small, you know, I'm had to say at 45 now, but, you know, once I kind of hit 35, that was, you know, so you're only a small part of your life that you can be a professional athlete and be at the best of your ability and, um, and at your peak, I guess. And, trying to remain injury-free as well. So you have to have something else to fall back on. Um, So a lot of us studied, a lot of us had part-time jobs and some had full-time jobs, you know. Um, It's just you had to make it work and trainings had to be outside of those work hours at times as well. Um, I think it's completely different now. Um, But, yeah, you had to have another avenue of income.
0: Hmm. Talk me through that final win that you had in 2007.
1: We only just got there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Oh, look, they charted planes. Um, We had to go to the North Shore. Um, We did our best not to come out on top in that game. It wasn't probably the perfect game, but it was a great score at the end to be on on top. Um, We won by one, I think, in the end, and... It was really special for a number of reasons. We had um, players in our team that had family members that were unwell and they managed to make it to that game. So it made it extra special to have family there, supporters there to win the final year of that Sting 10-year legacy was just massive. Um, And it meant a lot for a lot of people. We can't really talk about Invercargill, uh, especially at this time, without talking about
0: Sir Tim Shadbolt as well, of course, because <laughs> he was mayor during the Sting years.
1: Um, what was he
0: like in terms of getting right behind the team?
1: Oh, huge. He loved it. And To be honest, I don't know if he missed too many games. Um, he was normally there sitting in the stand, um, at the parades, at the receptions, Um Like it's different nowadays. Um, The netball, like girls go and play their netball games, and they have something to eat, and then they pretty much go. See, in those days, (laughs) it was like a big party. Like we mixed with the other team, we had dinner, we had a big function, we had bands. So the sponsors were upstairs afterwards. Um, Like it was huge. It was a big fanfare, really. After every game, it was probably quite exhausting when you look back, but. You know, Tim was always there. He was always at those, and um, I think he really loved it. It was cool.
0: Tell me about um, some of the sculptures. There was uh, one at Invercargill Airport.
1: Have you managed to get to the bottom of where that one come from? Because it, one day we just uh, this thing just appeared at the at the airport, and I think it was carved out of. Well, I think it was carved. It was some wood sculpture thing and it had it was a very unusual looking thing if you l- look up online you can actually find pictures of it but as fast as it appeared then it disappeared um but I actually don't know who did that sculpture um would be interested to know but one of the legs was like about 10 times bigger than the other leg um it wasn't a very athletic looking netballer <laughs> so we got a lot of grief over that yeah I'm having a look at it now
0: um I think it was uh, macrocarpa um how does it look to you? <laughs> I mean it, yeah, it's not desperately athletic. Those those legs are not um they don't really look like netballers' legs to me, but you know, uh it's better than I could do if I was trying to carve something out of microcarper for oh, sure. That's true.
1: that's true.
0: Yeah. Um there was another sculpt is this right? There was another sculpture and it was made out of margarine. Oh,
1: I don't know about that one.
0: In Valentine's
1: Oh I remember trying to go to Valentine's for lunch with Kirsty Carline one time. Kirsty Broughton. Hmm. We thought we could do a swiftly because it was if it was your birthday, you got it for free, and it was both our birthdays, so we tried. But I don't know if it was. Um, I don't know anything about a margarine sculpture, oh, but maybe. Apparently, enlighten me. Apparently, See, some things I'm still learning. It was a
0: big stingray with a net ball, seeing southern sting.
1: <laughs> of course, there was. <laughs>
0: Why not? Isn't
1: that brilliant?
0: Made out a margarine. Oh, look, there I'm you go. I'm learning
1: something. That's great. I love it.
0: <laughs> now, of course, um, the Southern Sting merged uh, in 2000 and, uh, 2008 with the Otago Rebels. And that, of course, was to become the Southern Steel. Did Invercargill take the team to its hearts in the same way, do you think?
1: Um, no, I don't think so. Like, it's always difficult, isn't it, when you've had a competition that has captured everybody, um, like everyone was talking about it, people were trying to get tickets to go, there was a buzz around the city and it was Invercargill's, it was Southlands. So the moment that the competition changed, and it probably needed a change, um, in 2008 when they decided to combine with probably, you know, like in the first two years of the competition that was our rival the rebels um with the rebels and with Dunedin it was probably more of a how's this going to work um you know not only just with the public supporting it but even sponsors you know we were sponsored by the Invercargill licensing trust how do they do that how do they sponsor a team when it's half based in Invercargill and half in Dunedin so there's all these new things to learn but looking back now like people still supported it and they still do support the steel but you know everyone was along for a 10-year ride and it was pretty special and it and it's probably really hard to to have that same feeling so i don't think anything will be supported as amazingly as what the sting did so the poor steel had a bit of an uphill battle to try and get that love and get that following and i think people still do people still go to the games but of course, the sting is close to my heart. I don't think they'll ever have that passion that they had for the sting um yeah, so it was an interesting change
0: hmm uh, Robin coached the steel um for the first four seasons is that right?
1: or oh, I'd have to go back and mm. look, but um she coached for a few seasons and and we managed to get through to the semi-finals, I think of that, that competition, which is pretty huge because, you know, it was, with the Australian aspect as well, it was a lot tougher, um, probably more demanding, more travel. Um, and you're playing against that different style. And then she finished off her coaching career um, by heading up to the pulse, which um, I ended up finishing my career up there under Robbie, which was a really special time for me. Um. Absolutely. The
0: Central Pulse team, that was 2015, I think, that that, uh, that she was there for. And you organised a reunion, I think. It must have been a 10-year reunion back in 2018. How did that
1: go? Yeah, look, there was, as I touched on before, there was a lot of work involved. And um, yeah, so 2018. So it was 20 years since the, the, the first year of the Southern Sting. And an opportunity to support the Tanya Dalton Foundation, um, an opportunity to get everyone together because, as I said before, there's only a handful of players. I think there's 43 players um, that were involved over that 10-year period. Like people came and they didn't just stay for one year. They stayed for two, three, four, five, or like me, ten. So there wasn't a huge... lot of players that were going in and out so I thought it would be a great idea to contact all those players all the management all the board members that did an amazing job running our franchise and get everyone back together um, and play a game against the netball south team at the time that I was involved with and one thing led to another we had corporate tables we had a game which we I must admit we won by one point I don't know if the south were letting us in the end We say no, they weren't, but um, it was a packed (laughs) stadium. It was like the old days and it was just really special to be a part of. And now looking back, I'm I'm really pleased that Robbie had the chance to come back and coach at the stadium with the Sting girls around her, with her old management team, with Kate and Neil, and just enjoy being part of another netball moment and – as I say, an opportunity to, to make some good money for the Tanya Dalton Foundation. Mm. Um, you represented New Zealand in the Silver Ferns, uh, a
0: couple of Commonwealth Games medals, I think, to your name as well. Um, you've also represented New Zealand in basketball, including at the Olympics. So, what keeps you busy these days, Donna? Uh,
1: three kids.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, that'd do it. Um...
1: So my husband's a farmer and runs a family business business out in um, northern Southland, so it's pretty busy juggling that. And uh, my oldest, Cooper, is now at St. Andrews at boarding school in Christchurch, so he's year 10, so turning 15 this year. Um, coincidentally, Kirsty Carline or mm. Kirsty Broughton, Robin's daughter, is a teacher at that school, so she keeps oh. a close eye on it for me. Um, <laughs> our next one, Jack, is 13. Yeah. Um, heading off to boarding school next year and then the baby girl Maya who's been dragged around everywhere she was a ball girl, uh, brought the ball out which was pretty special looking back at pictures last night.
0: Fantastic, hey Donna thank you so much for your time, thank you for talking to Afternoons on RNZ National today